Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana over the past week. And we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So the first question is a question from me and I said what IDSI level is Greek yogurt? And IDSI is one of those topics that's kind of quote-unquote new for the 2022 exam. If you've been tutoring with me since last year you know we already talk about this in domain two and probably a lot of you guys have been doing this already in your internships or in your hospital jobs. But what IDSI is is the International Dysphagia Diet Standardization Initiative. And what, how this came along is because a lot, when we're using subjective measures like honey thick, pudding thick, slightly thickened, moist, minced, no one really knows what that is. And you can have confusion where it means you can have bread at one hospital and another hospital it doesn't. So to help cut down on confusion and decrease risk of aspiration, in about 2017, groups of clinicians worldwide got together to form the IDSI guidelines. And it took the dysphagia guidelines from subjective, right, of like, oh, this looks thick, to objective, where we're saying, okay, if I put this in a syringe, you know, this liquid in a syringe, and only this amount comes out, it's this. If I put it on a spoon and it does this, it's this. So the IDSI guidelines help put objective measures. So when we're thinking about Greek yogurt, we can kind of do the spoon tilt test where we think to put it on a spoon and we think, okay, if I tilt it over, what happens? And for Greek yogurt, it fits the criteria for number four. So this is the extremely thick. So when we put it on a spoon, it falls off the spoon in a clump. And so understanding the ITSI guidelines is super important for the exam because they love to just say, what level is this? So what I recommend is that for each IDSI level, you think about a food or beverage that fits in there. That's really the best way to understand it. The next question we have is a question from me. We had a student ask about entitlement and non-entitlement programs. So I said to you guys, what is a non-entitlement program? Define this in your own words. And so you guys said non-entitlement, I think it's meant to serve people with minimal need, means, definitely, that's a great way to think about it. Both entitlement and non-entitlement are typically going to be income-driven. You need to be in a certain income bracket to apply. Another student says entitlement are funded by Congress without going through an appropriation process. Non-entitlement programs are compete for funds through an appropriation process. Um, Aaron says an example would be WIC because it has limited spots that can be filled, a capped amount, and it has restrictions on those who can be admitted, not necessarily open to everyone. And so definitely some key differences are how each of them are funded. Both entitlement and non-entitlement will have certain entrance criteria. But then another thing to think about too is that with not when we're thinking about a non-entitlement program, there are definitely caps because everyone who's enrolled gets the full benefit. So for example, WIC is a non-entitlement program. So if you are admitted to WIC, you're going to get the full prenatal care. You're going to get the full formula, the full appointments. 
Versus with SNAP, it's a non-entitlement program. So you can get in, but sometimes your benefits might be $100. It might be $75. It just depends on how many people are in the kind of in the pool bidding for it. So non-entitlement, you're getting a guaranteed amount of benefit. Entitlement, you are not. And that's really going to help you separate between the programs. Another really common entitlement program to think about too is the school lunch and the school breakfast programs as well. So the next one we have a question from a student. It looks like it's off pocket prep. It says a clinical dietitian is planning to switch, start PN on a patient. Which of the following labs would indicate the appropriate time to initiate tube feeding for the patient? And the student's saying, I know that increased CRP and decreased albumin indicate stress and inflammation. The answer is C. Does that mean PN is, is contraindicating stress and inflammation? And this question is definitely a little bit difficult because this is not something that we are going to be thinking about kind of inpatient. And even you guys, some of you guys said like, this is a dumb question. And so when we're thinking kind of about, you know, the labs that we can see with TPN, yeah, we can definitely think about, you know, albumin and prealbumin. They're just not going to be the best markers for helping to tell us when we should or shouldn't start TPN. What CRP or C-reactive protein is really going to tell us is if the patient's inflamed. Nine times out of 10, right, all of my patients have elevated CRPs. And when we're trying to interpret that with the albumin and prealbumin, it's tough because albumin and negative albumin are going to be negative acute phase proteins, which means when the body's inflamed, our liver's reprioritizing what we're making. So instead of making albumin, I could have all the protein in my body, but if my body's inflamed, my liver's going to say, okay, shut down the gate for that albumin. We're going to go make, you know, CRP or whatever other things we need. Um, so we definitely, you know, we're not necessarily using CRP and albumin and prealbumin to tell us when it's an appropriate time to feed the patient. What we're more looking at their electrolytes, right? We want to make sure we're checking their electrolytes. If they're low, we're repleting them back to normal limits before we start because we know they're at high risk of refeeding. Also, blood sugars, right? I don't, if their blood sugars are really wild, we want to make sure we're controlling the blood sugars too. Um, also, often looking at white blood cells too and thinking about infections before we're placing a central line. So lots of different ones to kind of be thinking about too. Next question we have from a student. She said, can anyone explain to me the difference between BMR, BE, RMR, RER, I mean, RE. And so this one is definitely, you know, confusing because especially when we get caught up in the abbreviations, it's like, oh, what, what's going on? And so knowing kind of the differences is definitely really, really important when we're thinking about our basal energy expenditure or basal metabolic rate. This is thinking about kind of the minimal energy, you know, that I need, like I'm laying kind of like, you know, laying in the bed, not stressed anything. Versus our RE and our resting metabolic rate, what we're thinking is this is kind of like, you know, every day, right? I'm not laying in my bed the entire day. I'm thinking more of like, you know, minimal movement kind of, you know, eating, drinking too. So, you know, our basal think, you know, when we think about basal insulin, which is like your baseline you need. So basal is just like kind of doing nothing. You know, resting is like more is, you know, still kind of not doing 
too, too much. Um, but, you know, it's going to include things that we are doing for activities of daily living, including kind of respiration, blood circulation to kind of having that movement. And so basal would typically be lower than our resting too. Then we have kind of a broad question from a student saying, do we need to remember the name, side effects, drug herb, um, interactions of all the diabetic medications? And I would have to say, yes, the diabetes medications are definitely one of the number one um, disease drugs that I see students get time and time after on the exam. Definitely, if diabetes is a trouble area for you, especially the medications, check out the diabetes review class. If it's just meds that are an issue for you, check out the medications class. We kind of go into um, all the different meds that you'll want to know for the exam. Okay, the next one, we have a question, looks like out of Inman. So the student's saying, can we explain why the answer is C and not D? So this one's a math one. So if you don't already have, oh, got my notebook you don't need to have your notebook and your calculator, go grab it. So here's a question we're saying, if the productivity goal for a patient tray assembly unit is four trays, it's four trays per minute, and that's our goal, so I'm writing four trays per minute is goal, the unit should be able to assemble approximately 350 trays in how much time, right? And so what we're thinking is, okay, we have our four trays, our four trays per minute. So if we divide our 350 trays divided by four, that tells us that we need, we're going to be able to do this in uh, eight. 87.5 minutes. And so when we're thinking of that, right, and we divide that by 60, that's going to be 1.45, right, just about an hour and a half. So this one, remember, keep your units tight to get it right. This is going to help you to see that when we do 350 um, trays divided by four trays per minute, we're canceling out the trays too. So great. Great work on that one in the comments, um, in the comments too. So next up, we have a question from a student who's saying, um, may I please get clarification on why triglycerides are low versus high? Oh yeah, and you guys had some fun with this one in the comments and I got to jump in because I wanted to make sure you guys were getting it. So this one's saying, which of the following patterns would be most uh, would we most expect to see an advanced liver disease? And the answer is low triglycerides, low albumin, high ALT. And most people are going to get high ALT, right? We know our liver function enzymes when our liver is damaged, the cells kind of pop, and then we're having increase in the blood. We know low albumin, right? Because we're going to be seeing, you know, that hepatic reprioritization like we talked about earlier in the class, but low triglycerides. And I really tried to challenge you guys in the comments to kind of think about this, right? So when we're thinking about the liver, when the liver's, something's wrong with the liver, there's a lot wrong. And so when we're thinking about the liver, we're thinking it produces bile. So if I'm having advanced liver disease, I'm having going to have issues, you know, with all my liver functions. And one of them is producing bile. 
So if I have decreased bile secretion, I'm going to have decreased fat absorption. So that's why my triglycerides are low because I'm not having that bile to get the fat right into the enterocyte, into the blood to be high. So that's why we'll see low triglycerides. Um, definitely a great question. Fat metabolism is definitely a tricky topic. Um, the best video to watch if digestion and absorption are a trouble area for you is definitely the GI MNT class. So next up, we have a question from a student and they're saying, and their question is, um, how many actual relief employees are needed to cover 20 full-time employees? And so FTEs can definitely be a big trouble area for students. When we're thinking about this, we want to be thinking about the total amount of time, you know, I need covered divided by my standard to kind of find how many FTEs I need. When I'm thinking about my relief, this is when I'm thinking about my 0.55. So if it's telling me I have 20 employees and I'm thinking who is going to cover them, this is not just for Saturday and Sunday off, it's for birthdays, weekends, holidays. I do 20 times 0.55 and that tells me that I need, I need 11 relief. Next question we had from a student just asking about our diabetic exchanges. This was our live class last week and the diabetic exchanges can definitely be tricky because especially when we're thinking about fat and protein, the size of the food is super variable kind of just depending on what it is. So when we're thinking about kind of pure fat things like margarine, mayo, oil, butter, the exchange is one teaspoon versus when we're thinking about lower fat things like diet margarine, diet mayo, diet salad dressing, um, as well as some dairy ones like cream cheese and heavy whipping team cream, it's one tablespoon. So if it's 100% fat, you know, kind of the standard for one fat exchange for the diabetic exchanges is going to be one teaspoon. And kind of for our lighter fat ones, one tablespoon because we can just have more. So diabetic exchanges is definitely a trouble area. Definitely check out the diabetes video. Next question I had for you guys is I said, why would providing a patient with cyclic feeds be more costly than bolus? And this is definitely something I see in the hospital all of the time. Anytime I have a patient who's on cyclic feeds, the insurance company is always knocking on the door and going, um, can you change them to bolus feeds? And you guys hit the nail on the head. This is because of the pump. The pump is expensive. If I have a patient on bolus feeds, I need the tube that's already in them. I need a syringe and then the tube feeding. It's super easy, right? This costs nothing for the insurance company. Versa pump, right, is equipment. It has to be programmed. Someone has to come and run it. So it's definitely more expensive, um, more expensive for, um, for the companies to do, and they often won't want to do it. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, danajfnutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.